welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 97 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I am your host, Siobhan Key, and today we are talking about why diets aren't the answer. Now, I know as physicians, you know that the old adage diets don't work, but let's talk about why that's the case and how you could actually use this knowledge to apply it to your own weight loss journey. Now, I have exciting news that I will be announcing later this week but I wanted to give you a heads up here is I am getting ready to open up the doors for another group program. So back in the spring, I did a group program focusing for physicians who are struggling with stress eating. And it was so much fun. We worked together, uh, had group coaching uh, sessions where the physicians in the group, I think, really got to know, number one, that they're not alone. And I think that The relief of that is something that can't be understated, but then also we worked on tools to get a handle on the actual stress eating and how to manage that. Now, this time it's going to be bigger and better. Last time I did six weeks, this time it's going to be three months because I really do think the stress eating needs just a little bit longer continuity of the coaching so we can really dig in deeper. Uh, And I hope that you'll come join me. If you've been listening to this podcast and you have been struggling with the stress eating and you're a physician, then this is the program for you. It will help for sure. And I can help you so much more when you're actually working with me directly than what I can with the podcast. The way I think about it is I know that you're putting a lot of energy and work into figuring this out for yourself. Now, think of all that energy you're using on a day-to-day basis, trying to figure it out and trying to apply everything. Now, imagine having somebody walk with you that can just point out the areas that might make it simpler for you to make changes or you might not have seen because our brains have kind of blinders to their own activities. Having a coach to walk through things like stress eating is so much more efficient than doing it on your own. And so if you have been struggling with this, I just suggest that you check out the website, send me an email if you have questions, I'm happy to answer your emails, and consider making this investment in yourself in the time and and in the program to actually have that relief of not having to spend all that energy on doing it yourself. The website is weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. If you go over there right now, it'll be signing up for a wait list, but that's great because you can get your name on the wait list and I'll let you know as soon as it's open. If you're listening to this episode a little bit later, then the uh, you might see the actual page for the program fully open uh, once uh, I open the doors to the program. All right, send me any emails, any questions, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca or like I said, head over to the website weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. All right, let's talk about diets. Now, when I was preparing this episode, I was thinking back, when did I first remember putting myself on a diet? 
And I think I would have been a young teenager. I remember kind of pre-teeny, like I was in elementary school, walking home from my elementary school. And I think I was probably starting to go through puberty and had some of the weight gain related to puberty. But of course, didn't know that when I was that age and was really distressed because I had always been super tall. Uh, one of the tallest kids in my grade and at the end of elementary school, the ta- second tallest in the school. And I was thinking, you know, tall people have to be skinny. I can't be chubby and tall. That doesn't work. I had this like identity about what it meant to be tall. And yet I felt I, I wasn't meeting that identity. And I that's the first time I remember thinking something like that about myself And so then, of course, through teenage years, like I read the teen magazines, the 17, and would try the different diets. And that's when low fat was really getting going. So I remember being really excited that candy was low fat (laughs) and eating a lot of candy. Or my mom always made homemade bread when I was growing up. So we'd have like big slices of homemade bread and really happy that it was low fat so it fit in. And, uh, And I love those memories and wouldn't change that. But it didn't actually work for my weight. Uh, it probably contributed to some weight gain. But ever since then, ever since that day walking home from elementary school, kind of questioning what my body shape was doing, I always had a thought about my body and what I should be doing and should I be doing something differently. And I tried lots of different ways of losing weight. i feel like I've tried almost all of them. I don't, I never did like the cabbage soup diet stuff or, you know, what was it? There was a a drink people were doing for a while where it was like water with cayenne and lemon and stuff like that. I, I never did that sort of stuff, but definitely, you know, I did Weight Watchers multiple times. I tried going vegan. I tried juicing. I tried uh, just whole foods. Uh, I would just try to restrict. I knew what my issues were. I knew the habits that were the big issue. And I would just try not to do them, which didn't work. (laughs) Never, ever worked. And so I remember uh, it was, I was a practicing physician already. And just thinking like, there's something up with my mind like there is something that my mind is doing that is driving this behavior because I know that it's not healthy I know that if I follow this path and keep going I'll probably end up with diabetes which is something I really didn't want and yet I still keep doing it and I feel compelled to do it and I can't stop and that's the first time I remember thinking there has to be more than just the diet there there has to be other approaches Uh, which ultimately, I think, led me to where I am, though that was years, years prior to where I ever found life coaching. Um, But it was that I felt that need to figure out the part of my brain that kept compelling me to eat those foods. And it wasn't until I actually figured out that part of my brain and truly understood why I was eating certain foods that any of the diets worked. Now, the the interesting kind of thought uh, experiment to think about is, you know, if I had figured out my brain earlier on, would those first times through Weight Watchers have worked? You know, very well, they might have. Um, Would, when I went vegan, would that have worked? Yeah, probably. I think the reason why low carb works so well for me, part of it is just, I think it works for my body and what my 
baseline metabolism is. Uh, and I like the food, but I also think it came at a time that corresponded with me figuring out the, the mind work. And so what I want to talk to you today is about how the diet piece is just such a small piece of the puzzle. And we've been trained for so long to only focus on the diet. And yet, if you start focusing elsewhere, and you start looking at the other pieces, then that's when you really get the success. Plus, that's when you really get that feeling of ease, where you can, you know, be around the food that, that, you know, be around the warm, freshly baked cookies and not really be bothered by them. Uh, And I know for a lot of you listening, that may seem like crazy, but honestly, it's, it's very possible. And the place where that becomes possible is in doing the mindset work. Uh, It's not the diet. So you can eat the low carb diet and still want to eat cookies and you can choose not to eat cookies using willpower or you can work on the mindset stuff where you eat the low carb diet, you're satisfied with it and you don't actually want the cookies. They just don't hold the same interest or power over you. And so it's simple to not eat them. And that's where I want you guys to work on getting and where I want if you're not there yet, totally fine. But I want you to work on believing that it is possible to get there. Because I think sometimes when we're working on a diet, we don't believe that we could find a place where it's actually easy and simple to follow and where we just wouldn't want the food. So let's talk about the definition of diet that we're using. So I'm using the word diet in the way of talking about an eating plan to achieve weight loss. Uh, I'm not using it as the more global diet term, such as I eat a North American diet or I follow a lower carb diet. When I say that that way, that's a a way of eating for life. It's not just to um, lose weight. And I think that's important And actually, it's probably a good distinction to work on for yourself, because if you're thinking that you're following something as a diet to lose weight, there's always a short-term element with that in our minds. And so if you can shift the way you use the word diet to encompassing that longer-term approach to eating, uh, that's probably going to be helpful for you. Anyways, so I want to talk about evidence about weight loss and how it impacts us as physicians. Because I see this so much with the clients that I coach is we we know that the evidence is poor for weight loss. And we know that the evidence for maintaining weight loss is poor. And so we often internalize that where when we then are trying to lose weight, we wonder if it's even possible based on the evidence that we have. And so the state of the current evidence is that dietary interventions for obesity create modest weight loss. But that modest weight loss of 5 to 7% can improve health outcomes. And the place, I think, where the evidence is kind of not lacking, but, you know, where I think we need more research is the sustainability aspect So a lot of the research is doing a dietary intervention and following people up long term. And it's not always that the actual eating doesn't work for long term weight loss. It often is that there's a attrition rate where people stop following the way of eating. 
Um, and then the research says for people who lose a significant amount of body weight, it's only a small percent of them that can maintain it long term. So as a physician, when you know all this evidence, it can be daunting and it, you can feel defeated before you even leave the gates. Uh and I think the tripping hazard here is that we're trying to apply population data to our individual selves. And as we know, you can't apply population data to the individual. The, po- the way I view the data is that we as a population haven't figured out weight loss and um, management of obesity with dietary interventions. However, I know many, many individuals myself included, who actually have figured it out for themselves and have lost weight with a dietary intervention and then maintained it. Um, and so the fact that the evidence doesn't say that we can do this on a population basis does not mean that you can't do it. Um, and the way I see this show up for my clients is um, lots of times if the scale isn't moving, there's thoughts like, well, maybe this is as low as I can go. Maybe this is my set point. Or if the scale starts to go up, the thought is, well, maybe I have no choice and this is just what happens when you lose weight. Or then when they have lost weight and they're maintaining, there's a thought of I'm uh, like, I'm at risk of regaining, like always watching over your shoulder for that weight to come back. Um, And a lot of it is based in this knowledge of where the evidence currently is. But I, my view is that there are holes in the evidence. We don't know the whole story yet. Uh, we're working on it and they're building more evidence. But also, I, I think there is power in that knowledge, knowing that that population-based evidence doesn't apply to you as an individual. So you as an individual can try, you know, you can try anything and you can decide what you want to make it mean if the scale is slowing down, or if you're starting to regain, is it actually helpful to make it mean that this is it, and you have no choice? Because I would suggest that if that's how you're thinking about it, it's probably going to accentuate the weight gain or accentuate the plateau. Versus if you just take an approach of, okay, I'm just going to figure this out too, or I'm just going to stay consistent and see what my body does. Um, There's lots of different approaches you could take that might actually serve you better. And if you remember, if we're using the thought model, how we think about something changes how we feel and our feelings then drive our actions, which give us our results. So if we are thinking, if we have a situation where the scale isn't moving and then we think, okay, well, I guess I've reached my set point, that gives a feeling of um, kind of like not defeat, but a little bit disempowered, I would say. And then you have to ask yourself, how would you act when you're feeling disempowered? And what I would pose from working with a lot of people and just my own knowledge of how myself would act is often there are then a lot of little micro slips. So little choices, and they may individually be small, but they can add up to where the scale no longer moves. And it definitely doesn't put you in a position where you're then actively looking for tweaks that you can do to get the scale moving again and feeling really empowered in how you make those changes. It kind of makes you take a little bit of a backseat ride because you feel that you're not the one driving the car. 
Now, there are things that we don't have control over in weight loss. We can control what we eat. We can control what we do for exercise. But then our bodies are like a black box that then decide what they actually do with that input. So they take what we eat, they take what we, the exercise that we do, and the black box of your body can modify so many different aspects, but it decides, you know, what metabolic rate is it going to use? Which fuels is it going to burn? How much of the fuels? There's so many different things. How much fluid is it going to retain? And you don't have any control over those. You can try to influence them based on what you eat. So an example would be if you're eating lower carb and you're hoping to bring your insulin levels down, which will hopefully allow you to burn fat as fuel more efficiently, you can definitely do that. Um, But there are definitely elements that are outside of your control. And so we have to figure out ways of staying consistent with the things that we can control while allowing our body to do what it's going to do and giving it the space to do that. So you might be listening to me say that and say, well, I can't control what I eat. And that is, that's the the golden thing, right? Is that, yes, we can be told what to eat, but adherence is often an issue. And you have to figure out, however you're trying to eat, how you can get yourself to be consistently adherent to it so that you can then see the results of what you're eating. And this is a big place where we can intervene. And I think this is a spot that diets just don't address and where diets fall short. And that's why I spend so much of my time coaching physicians on this because it's not something we were taught in medical school. And yet it is so incredibly powerful when you learn these tools and you learn how to apply them to your life. So I want to say is just because you've had difficulties adhering to a diet or a way of eating your whole life, maybe it doesn't mean that you always will. And I think that's a really important thing because I see lots of people who come to me with an identity that I'm somebody that can only follow a diet for three weeks. But again, if we think about that thought model, if you have a thought, I can only follow a diet for three weeks, the feeling it gives you is a feeling that like, kind of failure or kind of almost an acceptance in a negative way. And then your actions, if you were to lay it out, are probably going to be that you're only going to follow a diet for three weeks, if that's your core belief. And these core beliefs are things we've picked up over our life. They're beliefs our brain has created based on what it's seen. But they don't have to stay as that belief. You don't have to hold on to it you can look at these beliefs and decide if it's not serving you. So a belief about how you have adhered to previous diets and trying to apply it to your current diet probably isn't going to be helpful. Uh, You might want to decide that you just want a totally different belief about it this time. Um, And what that takes is it takes the willingness to problem solve when things get hard. It takes the willingness to not be perfect, which I know is hard for a lot of us, And it takes the willingness to just keep going, even when you don't have evidence that it's working. And I think that's really important is sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't have evidence. And what I mean by evidence usually is like the scale moving. You don't have immediate evidence that what you're doing is working. Um, And you need the willingness 
to just keep persevering and keep being consistent with a trust that your body, that black box part of your body that I talked about, will sort it out over long term if you keep putting reasonable things in and keep doing reasonable amounts of exercise that you think should work. And I think that's a like we question ourselves so much there, right? We when things aren't moving and we don't have that immediate evidence that it's working, we get into all sorts of swirls of confusion and wonder maybe we need to change things. Maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe you know there's something else we should be doing. But there is a lot of power in just calmly trusting yourself that the only thing you have to do is stay consistent. So the way I think about it is what you eat matters. Absolutely. But being told what to eat is such a small piece of the puzzle. And what I mean by that is, yes, if you want to lose weight, the place where you need to focus is on what you're eating. We know that. That's evidence-based. That makes more of a difference than exercise. But it's not as simple as somebody just handing you a diet plan or you finding the right diet plan for yourself. You need to understand why you eat when you do Uh, what things make you want to eat other foods, how to trust yourself, how to believe in yourself even when you don't have evidence. There's so many other pieces of that puzzle that actually come together for you to be able to consistently follow your way of eating through all of life's ups and downs. And that's what we do in, in coaching. Like that is the, the crux of the coaching. It's not about being told, oh, just eat this. You could, you don't need a coach for that. You could just go find a diet plan online or find one in a book. What the coaching is, is helping assemble all the other pieces of that puzzle so that it becomes that simple, easy way of eating that I've talked about where you're just fine. You're not worried about the food you're choosing not to eat. So what I want to talk about for you moving forward this week is think okay, how do you apply this? How do you start moving outside of just that diet only mentality and finding some other pieces of that puzzle so you can start working on assembling your own puzzle? And I think number one moving forward is you need to move forward with curiosity. I've talked about this so much, but if you move forward with blame, then it's going to interrupt your your efforts you need to move forward with curiosity particularly the most important time to be curious is when you think you're screwing up that is when you want to turn on the curiosity you know it's fine to be curious about when things are going really well and I do think that's valuable too like okay this is really working well and it feels easy why does it feel easy what's working totally good but the place where it's harder for us to use curiosity is when we think we've messed up. And so when you eat something off your plan, or when you want to eat something off your plan, looking at that with curiosity and asking yourself, oh, interesting, like this just happened, I just ate this food, I wonder what was going on. What was I thinking? What was I feeling? What had happened during the day? What are the kind of bigger stressors going on in my life right now? And then you start to build a knowledge base of how your brain deals with food. And you start to understand more about the things that might be tripping hazards for you in sticking to a way of eating. And once you know them and you understand them from that place of curiosity, then you can plan for them and you can work on them. But if you use blame, if you're like, 
dang it, I did it again. Here I am eating, you know, the French fries. You can't build that knowledge base. And so then you just keep repeating that same habit because you'd never understand why that habit's there in the first place. Number two, you need to focus on what's in your control. Like I talked about, there are things in your weight loss that are not in your control. You cannot change the speed that the weights, that the scale goes down. You can change what you eat. You can change your fasting intervals. You can change your macros. All those are in your control. Uh, you can change how you think about your food. You can change how you think about your day to reduce your overall stress. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you cannot control what the scale does. That that black box of your body gets to make those decisions. And so, like I said earlier in this podcast, you need to just trust that it's going to do what you want it to do, that what you're doing in the elements you can control are reasonable for your body and that it will be able to use those in the long term for you to see the results that you want. So see the weight loss that you want or see the improvement in your health that you want. Um, but it, what we try to do often is we focus on the areas we can't control. We get so wrapped up on that scale number um, and get really frustrated and we make it mean maybe we're not doing things correctly, but really all it means is that's not in our control. We may be doing things perfectly, but the scale and the way it changes is not in our control. And so then we end up sabotaging ourselves because we get so frustrated because this thing that's not in our control and we really, really, really want it to be in our control and it's not responding the way we want, we get frustrated and we end up sabotaging ourselves. So focus on what's in your control. Let the things that aren't actually in your control just be and trust that they will sort themselves out. And then the number three thing is be in it for the long haul. With weight loss and diets, often there is, it feels like there's time pressure that things need to happen for it to be worthwhile doing. I want you to ask yourself, how many years have you been working on your weight for? Now say losing weight worked, but it took a good chunk more time than what you would like it to. If you're hoping you lose a chunk of weight in, say, a couple months, imagine it takes you a year to do that same amount of weight. Is it still worthwhile? Ask yourself that. Because when we get in this hurry for the scale to respond and then get frustrated when it's not, and then the classic would be our brains are like, okay, this isn't working, so I'll just go back to my normal. When when we actually know the normal didn't work, we know the normal didn't help our weight, So what if you just had to be more patient and you just had to keep doing what you're doing longer to give that black box of your body a chance to respond? You know, it'd probably be worth it. Like when you look at the time that you've already added up working on this, what's another year? What's another two years if you're working on a large weight loss? For my own personal journey, it took me like of really working on it, I think it took me about three years. And it wasn't a linear line, there was ups and downs, because for most of that, I wasn't didn't know all the thought work stuff. But it took a long time to actually fully lose the weight that I uh, ultimately lost. And 
it probably could have done it faster if I was more patient because there were definitely in there were times where I gave up and just went back to my old ways of eating because it felt like it just wasn't working. So ask yourself, you know, what, what is the time frame and who created the time frame? And do I want to buy into that time frame or do I just want to accept that I'm in it for the long haul and I'm figuring it out no matter what? So to summarize the three things I want you to think about through this week would be holding yourself with curiosity, particularly when you feel like you messed up. Number two is focusing on what's in your control in this. And number three is focusing on being in it for the long haul. Question any of your thoughts that you have about things not working quick enough or timelines and focus on the long haul trend. All right, send me any questions to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe and I would love it if you would leave a review or share this with somebody that you think might benefit from it. Uh, That helps other people find the podcast and I really appreciate it. And then, like I said at the beginning, if you are struggling with stress eating and you're a physician, make sure you check out the Stress Eating SOS program, which I will be opening up again uh, in the coming week. Uh, and I think it's there's so much other stuff that I'm adding in this time around. I think it's going to be awesome. And I say that recognizing that I am biased, but <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Uh, and I really hope that you join me. All right. Have a fantastic week, everyone. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.